be speaking on the topic title, Kingdom Treasures. Kingdom Treasures. Praise God. Kingdom Treasures. Hallelujah. Kingdom Treasures. Matthew chapter 13. I'll be reading verse 44. Just verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field. The which when a man had found, he hid it, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he had, and buyeth that field. Praise God. I must read it again. Hmm. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasure hid in a field, which when a man had found, he hid it, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he had, and buyeth that treasure. Praise God. Now, when we talk about kingdom treasures, I believe a lot of things may be running through your mind. It may be that whatever you may be thinking about somehow might not be what I'm going to be speaking about this morning. Praise God. When you looked at this account carefully, this was the time that Jesus was speaking about parables or speaking through parables to the disciples about the kingdom of heaven. There are several examples that he gave about the kingdom of heaven, but then I really want us to pay attention to this because it is very, very important. Remember that this was a parable. This was a parable. And so Jesus Christ emphasized about the treasure that was found in the field and a man that came after he had already discovered the treasure, he went and sold all that he had and he came back and purchased this field and make sure he secured the field. Now when we talk about treasure, what do we mean? When we talk about treasure, we're talking about valuables, valuables. When we're talking about treasure, we're talking about precious minerals or precious things, things that are precious. Hallelujah. When we talk about treasure, we're talking about things that are of great quality, great quality or great value. Praise God. When we talk about treasure, we're talking about wealth. We're talking about wealth. Or that which worth great price. We're talking about wealth or that which worth great price. Praise God. And so when we talk about kingdom treasures this moment, I am not talking about miracle. That is not where I'm going. I want you to take your eyes off from money. That's not where I'm going. I want you to take your eyes off from a car. That's not where I'm going. I want you to take your eyes off from material things or physical things of this life. That is not where I'm going. As I said, remember, this is a parable. Praise God. If you look at this account carefully, hallelujah, if you are not theologically disciplined and you are not careful, you misunderstand this account. Praise God. You misunderstand this account and you might begin to think about gain. Gain. You might begin to think about physical wealth. 
you might begin to think about an advantage somehow, material advantage, praise God. You might even consider what happened to Adam. The Bible says God gave him a field that is known to be the Garden of Eden. But that is not the field that I'm talking about this morning. Praise God. You may even consider Abraham that was blessed of God. The Bible says God took him out in the field and said, look out there as far as your eyes could see. That is what I will give you as your inheritance. That is not the kind of field that we're talking about. Praise God. Or Israel that was, that was blessed. The Bible says that God gave them the promised land. That is not the kind of field or treasures we're dealing with this morning. Praise the name of our God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Look at the account carefully. You will see that there are so many things that you ought to pay attention to. Praise God. Hallelujah. Look at the scripture carefully. It says, Again, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. Don't forget these things. So, the very first thing that is mentioned in this particular verse is the kingdom of heaven. That is why I titled this message, Heavenly Treasures. So, look at this word. The kingdom of heaven is like Unto treasure hid in a field, the kingdom of heaven. That's number one. Number two, it's like unto treasure, treasure, number two. Number three, the third thing that I want you to pay attention to, it says, Thee which when a man had found, look at a man there. Number four, had found, number four, had found. Number five, he hide it. He hide it. Number six, he says, and for joy thereof, go it and sell it all that he had. He sell it all that he had. And then number seven, and buy it that field. Buy it that field. Praise God. So that's what we're going to be dealing with. We're going to be dealing with seven basic elements that has to do with kingdom treasures. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We see that the land or the field that this individual found, the Bible says, is valuable. It has treasure within. But when we looked at the text carefully, all the other parables that Jesus Christ gave to these people has to do with the kingdom. It has to do with the kingdom. It has to do with the kingdom. Now, what is the kingdom about? The kingdom is God's establishment. Hallelujah. The kingdom is God's establishment. Praise God. The kingdom is not your kingdom because you do not own it. The kingdom is God's kingdom because he owned the kingdom. And everything that comes into that kingdom subject themselves under the king. And the king is Jesus himself. Hallelujah. This text is about the kingdom that is being established. Praise God. These are the reasons why even with the Lord's prayer, the Lord himself says when we pray, you remember Jesus did not shy away from making mention of the kingdom. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Before even he talks about give us this day our daily bread. The very first thing that came into our uh, 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 understanding is that he established the kingdom first. 
Because you cannot receive your daily bread without the kingdom. Because the daily bread comes through the kingdom or comes from the kingdom. Praise God. And the kingdom is owned by a king. Hallelujah. So we we'll see the kingdom is an establishment of God. Praise God. And the kingdom is God's own sovereign state. Is God's own sovereign state. Put it that way. Praise the name of the Lord. God is in charge. God is the leader. God is in complete control of everything and everyone that is in existence within that kingdom. Praise God. And let's talk about the kingdom a little bit and then we proceed. Verse 44. Again, the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven. It is a place that the Bible says there will be no more weeping. There will be no more pain. There will be no more shame. There will be no more death. There will be no more sorrow. Praise God. The kingdom of heaven is an everlasting kingdom where everything that exists there exists for everlasting to everlasting. Nothing dies in the kingdom. Nothing dies in heaven. Praise God. There will be no more sickness there. There will be no more disappointment there. There will be no more death there. There will be no more shame there. There will no be no more failure there. It is God's place of everlasting joy, everlasting peace, everlasting blessing, everlasting provision, everlasting grace, everlasting abundance. Everything you think about is forever and ever. An everlasting life in an everlasting kingdom. Praise God. Now look at the second word that is mentioned. It says the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasures hid in a field. The treasure is hid in a field. The treasure is not by itself. The treasure is hid in a field. Praise God. You know, even in the natural, treasures are things that you have to search for. Praise God. Take, for instance, a diamond. You cannot find diamond on the road except it's been dropped up by someone accidentally. But you have to dig, go under the field or under the ground in search of diamond, oil, praise God. And many other minerals or treasures you can get from under the soil, praise God. But that is not where I'm going, hallelujah. That is not where I'm going. What you look when you look at the scripture carefully, you see that the Bible says, treasures hid in a field, they which when a man had found, somebody went and discovered that there's treasure there. Praise God. And the Bible says, in the midst of that, he went away and sold all that he had, and he came and purchased or buy the field. Praise God. Hallelujah. Now, as we're looking at the second point, that is the treasure, the Bible says it is hid in a field. Praise God. It is hid in a field. But my question to you is, what is this treasure? Or what are these treasures if they are not diamond? If they are not money? If it is not oil? Or maybe gold? Or maybe iron ore? Or maybe bauxite? Or even if it is not vegetable or fruit somewhere, what is this treasure that you are talking about, Pastor? 
What is it that you want to make known to us? Praise God. The Bible says that the man went and came and purchased the field because of the treasure. Now listen to this carefully. Hallelujah. The purpose of buying the field is not because of the field itself. The purpose of buying the field is because of the treasure that he found within the field. Praise God. It's because of the treasure that he found within the field. Now take note of this. The purpose of buying the field is because of the treasure that he found in the field. The treasure is much more important than the field itself. Praise God. Hallelujah. So what is the treasure that is within this field? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. The purpose of buying the field is because of the treasure. And the treasure is why he bought the field. But then what is the treasure? Look at Matthew chapter 13, the same account, verse 38. Let's talk a little bit about the field. 38 says, the field is the world. This is from the horse's mouth. This is what Jesus says. So there's no other interpretation for this field. So don't bring your revelation to say, oh, the field is America. It's a lie. Oh, the field is somewhere in, in West Africa or South Africa where they have oil and bauxite and gold and diamond. That's a lie. That's a lie. That's not what this text is about. Praise God. He said the field is the world. Take note, the world. Hallelujah. And the Bible says the good seed are the children of the kingdom. The children of the kingdom are the good seed, praise God, that are in the world. But look at it. It says, but the tears are the children of the wicked one. The tears are the children of the wicked one. Now, the seed, the Bible says, are the children of God. But then the Bible also says the field is the world. The field is the world. The seed are the children of God. And then the tears are the children of the wicked one, the devil. St. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world. The field is the world. God so loved the world, John 3, 16, that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. What is the world there? What is the world that God so loved? Praise God. You know, when you read your Bible, you discover certain things that the languages change somehow. And then, to some extent, some languages do not change. Why? Because when it comes to translation from Greek or from Hebrew to English, the best word that they will find to use is what they will actually use. Now, look at it. The Bible says, Jesus himself says, that the word is the field. Is the field. Praise God. All the field is the word. Praise God. But then John 3, 16 says, God so loved the world. That he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Now what is in the world? There are treasures out there in the world. There are treasures out there that are waiting and they are anticipating. They are hoping. They are believing that a change will come. Praise God. And that is why you and I as believers we have a responsibility to go out there to make sure we do the work that God assigned us to do. Praise the name of the Lord. Jesus in his earthly ministry throughout the four gospel, he gave an assignment to the disciples that they should go out into the world and preach the gospel. 
to every creature. It is all throughout the end of every single one of the four gospels. And it says, those that believe will be saved. Those that believe not will be down. It didn't stop there. After Jesus left, the disciples backslided together with Peter. Jesus came back and says, love us down me three times. He asked the question. And then when Peter responded, Jesus gave him the instruction again three times, feed my sheep. Praise God. Which means that God is much more concerned about the souls of men. Jesus is much more concerned about the souls of men. And may I say this to you as we proceed, that, it's, that the greatest treasure in the hand of God upon this universe is human being. Humans are the greatest treasure in the sight of God or in the hand of God. Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah 45. Thank you, Lord. Are we there? Isaiah 45. I'll be reading from verse 1 down to verse 3. I want you to take a look at verse 3. But let's start from verse 1. Thus said the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have holden to, look at it, I have holden his right hand to subdue nations before him, and I will lose the loins of kings to open before him the two leveled gates, and the gates shall not be shut. I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in asunder the bars of iron. Verse 3 is why I brought you here. He says, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. Is it money? No. Is this gold? No. Does this have to do with oil? No. Iron or bauxite? No. Or all the minerals on the ground? No. I will what? Give thee the treasures of darkness. He says, and hidden riches of secret places. Hidden riches of secret places. Praise God. Hallelujah. That thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. What are these hidden treasures? Praise God. What are these riches that are in secret places? The hidden treasures and the riches that are in secret places are the souls of men. These are the souls of men. Let me say this to you, beloved. The greatest treasure of every nation or the greatest resource of every nation are the human resources. Praise God. The human resources are the treasures of every nation because take note, it is humans that manufacture sheep and plane and train and all those things. When we talk about development, it has to do with humans. When you talk about production, it has to do with humans. When you talk about innovation, it has to do with humans. When we talk about infrastructural development, all the building up, all the skyscrapers and all these things and all, it has to do with humans. When we talk about the economy, it has to do with humans. When we talk about agriculture, even with that, it has to do with humans, praise God. We are the one that produce, we are the one that invent, we are the one that manufactures, praise God. So the greatest treasure that the Bible is talking about in Isaiah 45 verse 3 are the humans within every nation. The men and the women, the brains that are there in every nation. The people that are there, that are potentials that God could use 
to glorify himself. Just as your government could use those people to, to, to prosper or to establish themselves, God can also use them, the very same people, to glorify himself. I can give you an example. Take for instance, Saul that became Paul. Hallelujah. He was there. When you looked at that man, you see nothing but wickedness. When you looked at his life, you see nothing but a persecutor. Somebody that hates God, hates the gospel, and hates the truth. Hallelujah. But if you looked at him from that perspective, you will never know that this man is a treasure. You will never know that this man is going to become the author of all the episodes. You will never know that this man is going to become a powerful teacher of the word of God. You will never know that this man is going to have an encounter and have a revelation. And you will never know that within the loins of Paul, all the epistles were there. Within the loins of Paul, all the revelation of God were there, but yet he was still wicked. In your own eyes, you would have said, you know what, away with this man. Let's just finish with him because of his wickedness. But no, in the midst of darkness, in the midst of evil, in the midst of sorrow, in the midst of his persecution, yet the word of God was still there as a seed that God already planted even before the beginning began. Praise God. Do you know the Bible talks about hidden darkness? Let's go back to Isaiah. Let's see something. Let me show you something. Let me do just summarize it because of time. But let me, let me really open your eyes a little bit. Isaiah 45. Again, let's go there again. Let's see verse 3. It says, I will give thee the treasures of darkness. The treasures are humans that are in darkness. When the Bible talks about treasures of darkness, it's not going to talk, I mean, it's not talking about it's going to go bring something from darkness. The only thing that God is going to go bring out of darkness that is valuable is the souls of men. Do you know how many people are in darkness as we're speaking right now? There's darkness all over the world. People are living deliberately in sin. People are living in complete darkness, ignorant about the existence of God. And those even who have knowledge of God still deliberately decided not to serve God or to worship God. That is darkness. Any unrighteousness is of sin and anything that is of sin is of darkness. So the Bible says that I will give you the treasures of hidden darkness. Men and women who are still in occultism, they are still in Freemason, they are still in witchcraft, they are still in satanic practices, they are still in underworld activities, they are still doing idolatry, they are still engaging in ritual practices. Don't condemn them yet. Don't give up on them yet. They are out in the field. Jesus said the field is the world. God so loved the world. Praise God that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. These are treasures that are waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. For the revelation of the truth. So that when they get to see the light, when they get to understand what God has done for them, they will come out and you begin to see the manifestation of the power of God upon their life. And you begin to wonder, wow, I never thought in my wildest dream that a man like this would become a pastor. Why? He was once a murderer. He was once a thief. He was once a rapist. He was once a, a, a terrible gangster. But look at how God changed this man's life. He was once where? In darkness. But after he experienced light, God bring him through and he began to see a fulfillment of the treasure 
in him. Praise God. He says, I will give thee the treasures of darkness and hidden riches of secret places. Hidden riches. What are the hidden riches of secret places? The hidden riches are the men that are in secret places. Praise God. And they are wasting their lives and wasting their time and wasting their resources. God so loved the world. Go back to that verse, John 3, 16. The Bible says, Jesus says in Matthew that the, the, the field is the world. But God so loved the world. Praise God. Now, what is going on in the world? Or who is the Bible referred to as the world? It's not talking about buildings. Now it's talking about these treasures. These hidden treasures that are in darkness. There are people who are still worshipping animals today. There are people, you know, huh, let, me, let, me, let me use this. Let me, let me say these things. Anyways, I am surprised sometimes when I go to certain places, I see people who are well-educated, highly intellectuals, praise God, yet they believe in a religion that worships an animal. And I'm surprised. I'm like, why? I'm surprised when someone that has all the experiences nationally as well as internationally, they've been all over the world, they have all this, this influence and all of that, and yet you see them belong to a religion or be practicing a kind of faith that doesn't make any sense. You begin to wonder what is going on. I know there are powers and there are principalities that has held them in what? In darkness. And these are the treasures of God. Now let me say this to you. I said something before, and let me reiterate it. The most important treasure of God upon the face of this earth is not the mountains. It has nothing to do with the mountains. They are meant for us. The most important treasure upon the face of this earth are humans. Human beings, people. And this is what breaks my heart somehow when you see the abuse of people out there. People respect money above life instead of respecting one another above everything else. People love pleasure more than their lives. Praise God. People, they, they prefer killing somebody else, hurting somebody else, abuse someone else for things that they are in need of. Whereas that individual's life is very much more precious than every other thing upon the face of the earth. There's this dishonor and disrespect for humanity. If you see the way men are abusing women, your heart will break. The other day they showed me something that, that, that causes me to go home and cry in tears. I was praying and begging God. I saw men. Men, they stripped this lady naked and they beat that lady almost to death, squeezing her mouth and that lady was almost dying. I went home in tears. I kept crying and praying. Say, God, fight for this lady. Lord, vindicate this woman. Lord, let these people be caught. The wickedness of men. The wickedness and the abuse of the treasures of God. You see, people will take young girls and traffic young girls and take them all over the world. Abuse them, misuse them, and end up killing them and dump them off like garbage. Have no respect for children, have no respect for women, might treat them, and they don't care all because of money. They have respect and honor for money above the souls of men. Praise God. People have 
reverence and respect for power than their fellow human being. Hallelujah. The Bible clearly says that God will give us the treasures of darkness, not only that, hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which called thee by thy name, I am the God of Israel. Do we know what it takes when you see somebody that is struggling, somebody that is dying? Do you know what it takes to contribute to the life of that individual? Maybe that's the next prime minister you don't even know. Maybe that's the next doctor that will even treat you in time to come you don't even know. Maybe that's the next lawyer that will defend you you don't even know. Maybe that is the next economist that, that will transform the economy of our world we don't even know. These are the reasons why when I see people who are racist, it beats me down and it, it breaks my heart. Because you only discriminate against the person because of his color. But you don't know his potentials. You don't know the capacity. Or, or, or you don't know what that individual is capable of doing. You don't know his true identity. I don't like you. Why? Because you are black. I don't like you. Why? Because you are white. I don't like you. Why? Because you are this, you are that. That is foolishness to this highest level. Praise God. The Bible talks about treasures, hidden treasures. Hidden treasures. And let me tell you something. The hidden treasures are people. You see this America today that you say America is war superpowers. It is not angels that came down from heaven and built up America. No. There were no angels in, in, in China, in Shanghai, China, or in Hong Kong that went there and built all those cities. Humans are the ones that did the job. People going to space. People building aircraft and they are traveling from one nation to the other, one continent to the other. Who does that job? Human beings who are the treasures of God. Praise God. May I say this to you, the greatest resource that you will lay hold on ought to be human resource. People. People are important. Your company cannot function without people. Even God, even God, when he came upon the face of the earth in the, flare, in the, in the form of the flesh as Jesus, he looked for 12 men and women. He looked for people. God worked with people. Praise God. So, humans are the treasures of the kingdom. Praise God. So, the Bible says the man went and because of the treasure that he found, he came and he bought the field. Hallelujah. Look at this verse. verse. Let's go back to the account. Matthew 13. Thank you, Jesus. I don't know what you found. But let me show you something. It says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like unto treasures hid in a field. The which when a man had found. When a man had found. When a man had found. Now, if you pay attention carefully and you look through the entire account, you discover that this very man who is giving the parable is speaking of himself. Who is this man who had found this treasure? Jesus. And who is Jesus? God in the flesh. But then the Bible says that this man had found treasure and then he went and he 
hideth it, and he went out there in joy and goeth out and selleth all that he had. He's talking to himself, speaking about himself. Did you know hmm, that Jesus was the one that looked at us, humanly speaking, right? He looked at us and said, you know what? These are my treasures. John 3, 16 again, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. He decided, take note, to sell all that he had in order to purchase the land and, I mean, purchase the field and gain the treasure. Now look at it now. Do you know what it cost Jesus to let go of everything in the heavens? just to come here on earth, just to save you. It means that you are important. Let me shock you now. Let me shock you. Let me say something deep beyond the physical. Human beings don't die. You'll be shocked to hear this, but it is true. No human being dies. Every human being lives forever. Because the actual truth about human beings, every human being is a spirit living in the flesh of a being, or the human being, or the human flesh. Every human being is a spirit living within the flesh. So every human being born into this life will one day live in eternity forever and ever and ever and ever, either in heaven with God or in hell. So human beings live forever. We are eternal creatures. So Jesus, the Bible says, came down. He paid the price for every one of us. And this is what God wants you to do. God wants you to be the man, just like Jesus Christ became the man that was there and looked at the treasures of this earth and decided to let go of everything. Let's go of his status. Let's go of his honor. Let's go of his respect. Let's go of his power. Let's go of everything. He became sin for us who knew no sin so that you who were once sinners will become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You and I got saved through Jesus. Would you as that man, would you as that woman be willing to sacrifice and let go of all, let go of all in order to gain those treasures that are perishing out there, treasures that are wasting out there, Treasures that are languishing out there. The souls of men that are crying for hope and they are crying for help. Are you ready to do that? You are that man now. We've seen the man. Jesus is the man. But then you are also the next man that would look and says, wow, you know what? I have found hidden treasures. And then you will let go of everything in order to go out, purchase the field, and come back and redeem those souls. Are you ready to do that? Look at the fourth point. So we've seen the, the, the kingdom. We've looked at the treasures. We've also looked at the man. Now look at what the man did. The Bible says, the Bible says, he had found the field, right? He said that which when a man had found, he hid it. In other words, to find something is not easy. It may have sacrificed a lot. He may have searched a lot. He may have done a whole lot in order to discover what he discovered that is in the land. 
praise God. You remember, whatever was in the land was hidden. Hidden treasures. You remember that? Praise God. Hallelujah. But then he went out and he found it. The treasures were hid in the field. So they were not out in the open. You have to go where they are. Some of them are in the villages. Some of them are in that occultic center. Some of them are in the nightclub. Some of them are in the street club. Some of them are down in those big stadiums where they play hockey, football, soccer. That's where the treasures are. Some of them are in those warehouses looking after for money, forgetting that their lives are much more valuable than the money that they are looking for. Some of them are in the universities trying to build their life, forgetting, their, uh, forgetting about their destiny and also forgetting the fact that their lives are much more important than their careers. Praise God. So the Bible says here that having found this treasure hid in the field, the Bible says the man did something. He hid it and for joy Therefore, go it and sell it all that he had and buy it that field. Now, I want to say something very deep. Hmm. The question I want to ask you is what have you found in this life? What have you found in this life? You know, let me say this to you, beloved. The honest truth is that you haven't discovered the treasures in people because why? You're not paying attention to people. You're paying attention to things above people. Some of you, what is in your mind is about money, 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 money. And there is a potential person within or around you that will bring much more than the money you are expected or you're hoping for even in the future, but you don't pay attention to him. And let me say this. Sorry if I mean, if it sounds discriminatory. But this is why the Westerners are much more successful than the Africans. Why they looked at the potentials that you have and make use of you. It doesn't matter how they will do it, but through you, they will make money out of your life, make money out of your gift, make money out of all the potentials that you have. But whereas in the African culture, the moment there is a potential out there and they realize that you have what it takes, they try to do what they call the PhD syndrome. And that is pull him down, pull her down. They have this crab mentality. We are here. You cannot go. And if you want to take a crab off from the other group, you see that one will be hooking. This one will be grabbing. You say, you go nowhere. We're together. And that's the mentality. That is what is affecting the African community. But look at the scripture very well. The Bible says that he hid it for joy, go it, and what? He said all that he had and buy it that land, buy it that field. What have you discovered in people? Who have you discovered as a potential? Even your children, have you been watching them and look at the way they behave, the things that you do, and you can discover this one will go far in life. This one is gifted in this area. This one loves God. This one is good with technology, or this one is good with soccer, or this one is good with, with uh, school and education and all of that, and begin to try to invest in those children positively to glorify God. When the moment somebody show up, what is your mentality? 
The moment you see a young, beautiful lady, what comes to your mind? The moment you see a young man, what comes to your mind? Is it foolishness? Is it filthy thought? Is it ungodliness? Or do you look at the potential that is with? Listen, listen, let me shock you now. Cabradocia. You see, if you want to see God, you don't need to wait until you get to heaven before you see God. Hmm. Thank you, Jesus. If you want to see God, just look at people carefully. Be very careful. I have this good habit. It may be bad for some people, but very good. But people who know me, they know I'm very, very observant. I look at people a lot. If you work with me, you relate with me very well, you know I, I really look at people. I look at people very, very well. And I have a reason of doing that. I can read your body language and I can interpret your character. I can look at your, your, your disposition. I can, I can listen to you once or twice. I can tell whether you, you are serious or not. I know. I can tell. I can interpret your life by just looking at you, listening to you, and look at your actions and reactions. Whenever you see a man, you see God. Because you know what? Every single person upon the face of the earth is a manifestation of God. The Bible says, no, you know that you are God. Praise God. But not just that, not just that. In Genesis, the Bible says the, 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 that in the creation process, God breathed into the nostril of man. What did God breathe into the nostril of man? Was it oxygen? <laughs> if it is oxygen, it could create oxygen. When God breathed into the nostril of man, you know what God did? God gave his life into the life of man. So every man you see out there is a walking God. Small g, not capital G. So every one of you bears the image of God. Every one of you bears the life of God. You live a borrowed life. Now listen to this. This is why you have dominion over everything that exists upon the earth. You have dominion over every living thing, over every animal, and over every bird. There's nothing upon the face of the earth that is powerful than human beings. Why? Because you have the life of God, and if you have the life of God, the DNA of God is in you. If the DNA of God is in you, God created the heavens and earth, man created the earth, man invented. Praise God. Hallelujah. God causes all the animals and everything to come. Man created cars, man created planes, man created, man invented all these things. Not God. It is man doing it. What do we see? We see the manifestation of the potentials of God in man. In every human being. So listen now. Listen and listen very carefully. Oh, brother Shakata. I hope you understand this. Every time you destroy a man, you destroy God. You destroy the potentials of God. Every time you abuse a person, every time you molest a person, every time you disgrace a person, every time you kill a person, every time you hurt a person, directly or indirectly, you are hurting God and you will pay for it. You will pay for it. You see, until you begin to understand what human being is all about or who human beings are, the real true identity of humans, then you begin to have respect for life. You don't just pull the trigger and kill anybody anyhow because you feel like or because I have a job that permits me to kill you. If, you. if you touch me, if you shake, I'll shoot and I'll kill you. No, you will appear before God to give account. The government may tell you kill and then it's right, it's legal, but in the sight of God, do you know how many potentials you destroyed? Do you know how many destinies that are connected to that one person? It's not just the breadwinner of the family, but in the long run, that person could have 
become somebody that will say a word to another individual that will transform their lives, that will become an impact to the world. It takes one man to make a change. It takes one man to make a difference, a change. So every time you kill a man, you kill God. Every time you kill a man, you kill the potential of God. Every time you kill a man, you kill the purpose of God. Every time you kill a man, you kill the, 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 the destiny of that, not just that individual, but the destiny of other people around. So do you have value for life? Do you have value? Every time you as a doctor, you take that young girl into your secret place and they commit abortion, you know what you've done? You've helped the devil to destroy the potentials of God upon the face of the earth. Praise God. This man discovered this treasure, the Bible says, and the Bible says he did something. He went and sold all that he had. What is important to you? Is it money? Is it fame? Is it sinful pleasure? Is it power? Praise God. Are you running after the mundane things of this life? Things that are perishable. Things that are without any eternal value. So somebody that came out and was angry because why? Somebody was driving a bicycle and they scratched his car and then he came out and was angry, stabbed this man to death. Why? So you scratched my car. So the car is much more important than the life you've killed. Oh, why do you touch my money? Who wants you to touch my money? Bum, 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 bum. Like that. You just waste somebody's life that God designed for a particular purpose. And what you fail to realize is that that life is much more valuable. It is the greatest treasure upon this universe. It's much more than what you kill the person for. It's much more than what you hurt the person for. Young men, we have problem in our world. The problem of our world today is a man's problem. The women are just the victim. Honest truth. Because look at all the abuses that are going on. Look at all the wickedness that are going on in our world today. These are things that are perpetrated by men. And somehow, to some extent, we're getting the women to come on board, to be involved, to abuse their fellow women. How can you as a young man, instead of looking for a job or go to school and educate yourself, you are pimping women, girls around. Can you do that to your mother? Can you pimp your mother? Can you do that to your mother? But you are pimping other girls. You are pimping other young women. You are destroying their destiny, feeding them with drugs. They go, they abuse them, and then they pay you, and you give them chicken change. That's another form of slavery. That's another form of slavery. You are a manufacturer of the drugs or the alcohol. And you don't care. You just believe you are making money. You just believe that this is a good business. You'll be making millions of dollars out of your drugs or out of that alcohol or whatever it is that you are using. But yet, you are destroying the image of God. You are destroying the treasures of God. You are destroying the properties of God. At the end, the Bible says you'll be accountable before God. You'll give an account for every life that has been lost. What do you do with the treasures of God, the people of God? Hallelujah. The treasures are the souls of men. Human treasures. Praise God. We must also understand that 
It doesn't matter who the person is. Never you underestimate who they are. And never you underestimate their potentials. Today you may conclude on them. When you see them today, they might not amount to anything. They might look like a riffraff. Give them a few years down the road. And let something ignite in them. Or let someone else invested themselves in them. And you see the difference. Praise God. Never you misunderstand people. Hallelujah. And never you conclude on their condition. What is very, very important is invest yourself in them and you see a change. The Bible says the man hided the treasure and he went and he sold all that he had. He hided the treasure. He went and he sold all that he had. The sixth point. Fifth, he hided. Sixth, he went and sold all that he had. Praise God. He sold all that he had. Now look at it. Go back to the verse carefully. You see, it says there, he sell it all that he have. To do what? And buy that field. That is a wise investor. This man is a wise investor. Jesus is a wise investor. He decided to come to save us. Are you a wise investor? Now look at what happened. He went, he sold all that he had. That's a big risk. That's a very, 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 very risky venture. You already have what you have, right? But for you to go out and sell what you have, it means that, take note now, whatever you have is not to be qualified to that which you found. And then whatever you have found is much more precious, praise God, is much more valuable to all that you had. Praise God. What do you have? Is it money that you have, that you, you, you have respect and honor and you are even worshipping your money above people? Maybe you, as I'm speaking to you right now, you are uh, uh, an employer of labor. And so you, you, you misuse people, you disrespect them, you treat them like trash. Why? Because you are the CEO, you are the owner of the company, or you are the manager, or you are the director, or you are a supervisor. So you can trample on people because you want to make money, you want to be promoted. You can curse them, you can abuse them, you can misuse them. It doesn't matter, you have no respect for any human life. You are a bad investor because you know what? If you consider that those very same people are the ones that makes you who you are today, you have respect for them. You trust them. You treat them right. Now, this man went, he sold all that he had, which means that whatever he had could not be compared to what he found. And whatever he had found was much more valuable than all that he had. So what he did was he made a wise decision to let go, let go of all that he had. Praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He let go of all that he had. Look at Mark chapter 8 verse 37. Mark chapter 8 37. Let me show you something there. Hmm. Thank you Jesus. Mark 8. Are we there? 
Thank you, Lord. Verse 37. Are we ready for this? He says, let's take it from 36. For what shall it profit a man if he had gained the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what? What shall a man give in exchange for his soul? Which means that your soul is valuable than the entire world put together. Your soul is valuable than all the riches and all the wealth of this universe put together. Now, this man was wise. He realized that the treasure that he had found is much more than all that he had. So he let go of all that he had in order to gain this treasure. What have you let go to save one soul? What have you let go to care for one person? What have you done in order to extend your hand of love to somebody else? What have you done in order to show mercy to someone else? What have you done in order to help someone that is desperately in need? What have you done? Have you ever put yourself on the line? Have you ever sold what you have in order to be a blessing to others? Have you ever let go of your own privileges and opportunities for the care of someone else? What do you have? And what have you let go? Let me say some things to you. This man was very sure of what he was doing. And the reason why many of us cannot, we cannot do a very good trade or investment in the life of people and in the souls of the lost is because we are not sure of what we are doing. Truly, truly, if you are sure of what you are doing, you will make the right investment. I remember when I was coming to this country several years ago, I had a covenant with God and I still maintain that. I told God I wasn't coming here to make money. If that is the case, I would have been rich by now. I wasn't coming here to make a way for myself, no. I said, God, no matter what, I will serve you. And that is what I'm doing up till today. Money doesn't bother me. If I don't have it, it doesn't bother me. It's not in the bank. Not even a dime is in the bank in my account. I don't have it. That is not my vision. That is not my focus. Is money important? Yes. Is money valuable? Yes. Is more money necessary? Yes. But what is much more important to me is the source of people. I am much more concerned about people, concerned about souls, concerned about their eternity, concerned about where they will spend eternity. So I invest my time more in reaching out to the lost than going to make money. Praise God. What shall a man give in exchange for his life? So the reason why a lot of people are not sure of what they are doing is because they do not know the value of the souls of people. Hallelujah. This man have an accurate assessment. He has an accurate assessment of everything that he owed compared to the treasure that he found. So he has time to sit, consider the price, the cost, the worth, and so he have what we call accurate assessment of everything that he owned compared to the treasure that he found. So he decided to go after the treasure that he found. He sold all that he had. I was talking to a very good business person the other day, and this person was telling me some of the constraints that he was going through, and I told him what to do. Oh, Pastor, I want to invest in this. I want to invest. I said, no, 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 no. The investment, you're not seeing anything. Don't do it again. You kept doing the same thing over and over. What are you getting out of it? He says nothing. Then you're going to increase your problem. You're going to increase your debt. Stop this one. Maintain what you have and see what it will produce for you. If it doesn't work, then stop it until you begin to invest. Uh, you begin to see fruit or reward of, from it. Then before you invest again. 
Hallelujah. So he has accurate assessment of everything that he owned and he compared that with what he found. The next thing that we see about this man is that he sold, he let go, he gave up all that he had, all that he had in order to get the treasure that he found. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. It takes a lot of sacrifice to let go of what you have in order to get what you desire or what is right. He was completely sold out. He gave up his own. He gave up his status. He gave up his achievement. He gave up his time. He gave up all his resources. Everything sold out in order to get in or gain that which he identified as treasure of the field. What is valuable to you? What is much more important to you? Do you have respect and love and care for your fellow humans? Or you don't just care? Praise God. He had a clear understanding of what is valuable. He had a clear understanding of that which is perishable. He has understanding of valuables. He has understanding of perishable. And he knew exactly what he found. He knew exactly what he found. There are people who are running here and there, back and forth, and they don't know what they are going after. They like that which they don't even know what it is. They chase that which they don't even know. They are fighting and breaking their head over things that <laughs> someone the other day bought a bag. How much was this bag? Very expensive. As soon as she put two and three or four few things in the bag, the thing was like bending. The handle breaks. Few days down the road, the thing begins to change color. It's like, ah, what's going on? And this was the original. It is not fake. It was the original. So, but this is so expensive. And I'm like, yeah, but it's not durable. Expensive, but not valuable. It's just a trademark business. Praise God. Hallelujah. He was able to assess what he has and was able to identify the treasure as much more valuable than all that he had. What he wanted, take note now, was that which will last unto eternity. It was unregrettable. Unregrettable. The decision was unregrettable. The treasure itself was unregrettable. Regrettable. My question to you is what have you been engaged in? What have you found and that has troubled you, has hurt you? In fact, some of the things that you got yourself involved in has become your problem. Praise God. And we see many people are confused out there, even Christians. A lot of us are confused, and the reason why we're confused is because of what we found ourselves doing, what we're engaged in doing. Hallelujah. There's so much confusion of the thing that we found. There's so much confusion about the thing that we're engaging. We, have, we, we are not assured about, about the potential of the things. And we do not know what the outcome might be. And so as a result, in fact, some people are very, very indecisive. They don't make decisions anymore. So they're always in a dilemma. 
It's like what the Bible says in the book of Joel, chapter 3, verse 14. Multitude and multitude are in the valley of decision. Seven point. The Bible says, he came and he buyeth the field. Look at the verse. He buyeth the field. He buyeth the field. Praise God. He was willing to risk. He was willing to pay the price. He purchased the field. Let me bring some eggs now before we close. Looking at Jesus, as I said, he's the man. And he expects you to be the second man, the very next man that will go out there in the field. Look at Jesus, what he did for us in order to purchase us back to himself. Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 to 15. Galatians chapter 3, are we there? 13 to 15. Hallelujah. Christ had redeemed us from the curse of the law. Be made a curse for us, for it is written, Curse is every one that hangeth on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ. That we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Brethren, I speak after the manner of men. Though it be but a man covenant, yet if it be confirmed, no man dissimulated or added thereunto. You see that clearly? Christ had redeemed us from the cost of the law. How? By being made a cost for us. He became cursed, praise God, so that he will redeem us from the cost of the law. He sold all that he had in order to gain us to himself. The man went and sold all that he had in order to get the treasure that is in the field. Praise God. What are the sacrifices that you've made? Are you ready or willing to make a sacrifice? 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 20. 1 Corinthians 6 20. Are we there? For ye are bought with a price. You are bought or you were bought with a price. What was that price? The life of God. The blood of God. That was on the cross. Hallelujah. He says, for ye are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. And in your spirit, which are God's. You were bought with a price. It was not free. The man went, sold all that he had, came, and he purchased the field. The Lord went and used his life, used his blood in order to gain your life, in order to save your soul, in order to redeem your blood. He became sin for you in order that you become the righteousness of God in Christ. He became cursed for you in order that you become the what? The blessing of God. Hallelujah. That was a clear exchange. Act chapter 20 verse 28. Act 20, 28. The price was his blood. It was his blood. It was his life. It was his death. So he died in our place in order to save us. He died in our place in order to deliver us from the judgment and the wrath to come. He died in our place in order to deliver our lives from hell. He died in our place in order to redeem us from the curse of the law. He died in our place in order to 
give us his own righteousness. Verse 28. Take ye therefore act, chapter 21, uh, 20 verse 28. Take ye therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over the which the Holy Ghost had made the technical overseer. Why? Why? He had made the overseer to feed the church of God which he had purchased with his own blood. You were purchased with the blood of the Lord. If you were a child of God, you were purchased. And if you know those that are out there who are not yet saved, you should be that man that will go out there and be willing and ready to pay the price for the salvation of others. The price has already been paid. But what is your own price now? Your price is cheaper than the price that Jesus already paid. Hallelujah. And your price is to go out and let them know. Tell them that God loves them. Tell them that God cares for them. Tell them that God knows what they are going through. And tell them that Jesus saves. If they will call upon the name of the Lord, they shall be saved. Every man out there is a treasure. Every woman out there is a treasure. Listen, if you are not important, God will not have allowed you to be born. If you are not valuable, you will not have been created because every man born into this life was designed in the creation process from the beginning, even before the beginning began. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so you are a child of the living God and God wants you to understand that the price has already been paid. Praise God. Jesus, the Bible says, as God, he abandoned heaven for your sake. And he came on the cross, bore a disgraceful, embarrassing, shameful price for your own shame, for your own disgrace, for your own embarrassment, so that you will not be condemned. And you will not die and go to hell, but instead you will make heaven. Praise God. Now, my point to you this moment is this. That the field is out there, the world, and there are many lives, many treasures out there that the devil is wasting on a daily basis. The devil is destroying them on a daily basis. The devil is hurting them on a daily basis. And many of them are perishing day by day. What are we doing as a church? What are we doing as a body of Christ? What are we doing as believers? Look at what the Bible says in the book of Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. The Bible talks about the harvest. Matthew chapter 9 verse 37. Matthew 9 37. It is our responsibility to go after these treasures. It says, Then said he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. You know, it is, it is the opposite. It is not that the laborers are plenteous, the harvest is, 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 is true, but are few. But instead, it says the harvest truly is plenteous. The harvest is much more than the laborers. Who are the laborers? You are the laborers. I am the laborer. You are a laborer. And we are all laborers. Praise God. So who are the laborers? You are the laborers. I am a laborer. You are a laborer. We are all laborers. Praise God. So the Bible says the harvest truly is plenteous. But the laborers are few. Laborers are few. Laborers are few. You know why the laborers are few? Because they have not discovered the treasures that are out there. They have no respect for the treasures that are out there. They do not understand the importance of the treasures that are out there. They cannot value the treasures that are out there. And so they don't care. Even within the churches today, when was the last time they talked about evangelism? 
When was the last time they talked about soul winning? When was the last time they talked about praying for the lost? When was the last time they talked about have compassion for sinners? Those gospel are gone. Now it's about name it and claim it and receive it in Jesus' name. That's where it stops now. Self-centeredness. But look at verse 38. It says, pray ye, therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. We ought to begin to pray now. God sent forth laborers. Lord, I am that man that I've seen treasures out there, but I pass them by. Somehow I've seen treasures and I ignore them. Somehow I, I see treasures, but then you know what? I despise them. But God help me that I should understand at this time that Lord, according to your word, you say clearly that the harvest is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Help me. Lord, and your word says that I should pray that you will send forth laborers. But you know what? Whilst you pray to, that God will send forth laborers, count yourself as an answer to the prayers. Count yourself as an answer to your own prayer as a laborer that you will go out to reach out to the harvest, which is the lost souls. The Bible says in St. John chapter 9 verse 4 that we must walk the walk while it is yet day. St. John chapter 9 verse 4. Look at it quickly. We must walk the work while it is yet day. Hallelujah. Why? The night cometh when no man shall walk. Praise God. St. John chapter 9. Thank you, Jesus. Are we ready for this? Hmm. Verse 4. It says, I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day. Why? The night cometh when no man can walk. As long as I am in the world, I am, in the, I am the light of the world. You know, it just reminds me, this corona thing that happened since uh, 2020, people were surprised. You know, it, it, it took us un unexpectedly, you know. We were like not preparing for this, but it happens. And you know now the system is changing. Things are changing. Now you cannot reach people easily. You cannot touch them easily anymore. You cannot handshake anymore. Everybody is hiding. Everybody is isolated. Everybody is quarantined. Everybody is protecting themselves. And things are not getting better. So if you had reached those people a long time ago, it would have been easy by now. But now, it's difficult to reach them. Even to come to church. Take for instance, now we are on uh, our stay-home order. Till what? Is it May 29? Yes. We are on stay-home order. Right? And so now we cannot do the usual anymore. Praise God. So if your church, or if your leadership within your church, I mean, they were never interested in the things of God, like to win souls or to reach out to the lost, this is the time. The most important or paramount aspect of the church vision ought to be soul winning. Soul winning. Care for the lost. Pray for the lost. Win the lost. Teach the lost. Pray for the lost so that they will get to know the Lord. Praise God. Jesus himself said, I must walk the walk of him that sent me while he's dead. While the night cometh, when no man walketh. Praise God. In Romans 13 verse uh, 12, it says, the night is fast spent and the day is drawing nigh. Which means that we are behind schedule. We are walking behind schedule. We might not have overtime. Who knows? We might not have overtime. And so we are walking behind schedule. Which means that we have to double our effort. Double our effort. Verse 12. It says, the night is fast spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness. And let us put off the what? The armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day. Not in rioting, nor in drunkenness, nor in chambering, nor in wantonness, 
not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Praise God. So the Bible clearly says that the night is far spent. The day is at hand. And as a result, what do we have to do? We are behind schedule. So let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Jesus is the way, is the truth, and is the life. We must reach out to the world and let them know that this Jesus loves everyone. He cares for everyone. Praise God. Can you imagine that somebody that you know died the other day and is going to hell? How would you feel? And you know that person will never have a second chance. They are going to hell forever and ever and ever and ever. Have you ever thought about it? The other day, somebody collapsed on the road. And you were rushing there to help that individual. Why? Because you have compassion. You care. Humanly speaking, you're like, oh, no. Oh, oh my God. Let's call the ambulance. Oh, are you okay? You are trying to help or even do CPR. Why? Because you love the physical life of that person. Now, there is something that is much more deeper than that. What happened if the person eventually fall in the hands of God in eternity and is going to go to hell? What would you do? And you know the shocking thing? Over there in eternity, there is no second chance. There is no, no turning back. There is no point of coming back to say, God, I'm going to make it right. So now when we are alive, now at this particular time, is the only opportune time that we have. Praise God. And look at what is happening in our world today. Tell the people that Jesus loved them. Tell them to repent of their sin. Tell them to accept the Lord Jesus as their Lord and Savior. Let them know that Jesus is coming soon. Let them know that we are at the end of the agenda of the world. Things are wrapping up. Praise God. People have intention now as to how to build houses, but they don't have intention as to how to build their relationship with God. People have a vision as to how to make money, but they don't have vision as to how to make heaven. People have vision and intention as to how to make life better here on earth, but they don't have intention as to how to escape from hell so that they will end up in a better place called heaven. What have you done with the treasures that are out there? When you look out on the road, there are many treasures, wasted treasures. Some are walking in the street of Toronto as drunkards. That's a treasure there, wasting. Some of them with drugs and they are, they, are, they, are, they are lingering along the road. That's a treasure there, wasted. Most of them are in those sports fields, those big arenas. They are dancing and shouting, Go! Yeah! And they don't know God. Those are all treasures that are wasted. Some of them are in the nightclubs. Some of them, they are on, on those uh, celebration time, things. Uh, every day they go from party to party. They are party lifers. That's how they live their life. Party goers, party lifers. That's, they just live for fun. My question to you, beloved, what have you done concerning that? Those are all treasures. Listen, the worst thing is in life is not for just a man to die, but the worst thing in life is for a man to die in his sin and doesn't know God, and you know that that person is going to endless eternity, endless lake of fire forever and ever and ever. Before I give you the last verse, Let's assume that somebody is in this, I'm in this church now. I'll use myself as an example. Now, people are not here, right, except the operator. Now, let's give an example. Let's say this place is on fire right now, right? And then as I'm talking to you, you're watching me. I said, please call the police. Please call the ambulance. 
Holy places of fire. Oh, we are dying. And I'm screaming and I'm shouting for help. You are at home. You are not here. But I'm telling you the truth that this is what is happening. Would you sit down and cross your leg and relax? And say, okay, my goodness. Oh, pastor is burning. Oh, my God. Oh, my goodness. Let's see how the fire is going to roast his head. Let's see how the thing is going to roast his face. Oh, let's see how he's going to be. He's going to be melting in that fire. Oh, oh, my goodness. Pastor is burning. Will you do that? I know how much you care for me, how much you love me, and how much you are concerned. You'll be screaming. You'll be shouting. Some of you that are living around this neighborhood, you jump out and you rush to this place because you know where I'm at and you're trying to rescue me. Why? Because you're concerned, you care, you love, and you have compassion. You don't want me to die that way. Well then, imagine now if that is happening to an individual that is going to hellfire. That is the worst case scenario. Beloved, what have you done to save those treasures out there. Every man is a treasure. Every woman is a treasure in the eyes of God. What time is it that you don't have? Well, I'm too busy, I'm too busy. The Bible says this young man, he sold all that he had in order to keep this vision and save this treasure to purchase the field. Can you spare an hour a day to reach out to the next person? Can you spare an hour, a week, or two to save someone else's life? Can you spare an hour or two to kneel down to pray for your neighbors and the lost souls? Hallelujah. And look at the book of Proverbs chapter 30, verse, uh, chapter 11, verse 30. Let's pray with this. Proverbs chapter 11. Thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 11, 30. Thank you, Lord. Are we there? Hallelujah. 1130 and 31. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. The fruit of the righteous is a tree of life. And he that winneth soul is wise. Whoever will go out there to win souls, that's a wise person. Whoever will go out there to help those treasures out and and bring them into the kingdom of God. That's a wise man. That's a wise woman. Praise God. He that winneth souls is wise. Behold, the righteous shall be recompensed in the earth. Much more the wicked and the sinners. You see that there? The wise thing to do is to go out and reach out to the lost. The wise thing to do in this life is to care for the lost. Love them. Have compassion. Jesus, the Bible says, looked at the crowd and he says, the Bible says he had compassion of them. He says, the harvest truly is plenteous. The laborers are few. What have you done regarding the harvest? Regarding the treasures? What price have you paid? What sacrifices have you made? Praise God. Concerning the souls of men. There are some people, they don't like other people. They discriminate. But you know what? There is only one heaven, not two. And you'll be shocked that if you don't want others to go to heaven, you yourself might not go there. Mm -hmm. If you stop others from entering, <laughs> of course, it means that you are not already in there. You are also out. You will not make it. 
But the only way you can make it, beloved, is to care for the lost, pray for the lost, help the lost, reach out to them. Do you know that your investment in the life of those treasures, those sinners, those unbelievers, the lost man or woman, is a rewarding opportunity for you in eternity? Anytime you invest in a sinner, you invest in the lost, it is a rewarding opportunity for you, awaiting for you in heaven. Jesus said something that is very deep. He says, you will say unto me, Lord, Lord. He will say, I don't know you. Why? Jesus also says, say, clearly he says, I was thirsty. You didn't give me water to drink. I was hungry. You didn't give me food. I was in prison. You did not care. And then one will ask the question, Lord, when did I see you hungry? And I never gave you food. I never saw you. When was it that you were, you were thirsty and I never gave you drink? When was it that you were in prison and I never showed up to help? Lord, you were never there. You were never in prison. And Jesus says, whatever you have done to these little ones, you are doing it to me. So when somebody is in prison, you remember I told you? It's God that is in prison. When somebody is sick, it's the image of God that is sick. When somebody is in trouble, it's the uh, image of God that is in trouble. You have what it takes to go out there as God, a representative of God, to help a child of God, a woman of God. Do you have respect for life? Or do you have respect for properties above life? Praise God. Do you care for the loss? Or do you care for things above the lost? Where are you at? Are you going after the world? The Bible says, what shall it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? Or are you going after God's people? Shall we pray this morning? Shall we tell God that we're sorry? Shall we plead unto God and say, Lord, our visions, our dreams, our goals, and our ambitions were contrary to your word. We never thought of it this way. Eternity was not part of our view. The source of men was not part of our concern. We were so self-centered. Our desire was how to make it. Our desire was how to receive it. Our desire was how to, to, to make money. But now we've known your word. We've heard your word. We've seen. We've discovered that there is more to it than these earthly treasures. There is a deeper treasure. There is a much more valuable treasure. Or there are those treasures that are out there that are of God. And that is the soul of every man and every woman. Shall we pray right now?